2: This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, Joel Steinger loves playing the ponies, but finds betting on death is a bigger thrill. He's a bad guy. He's
1: one of the worst the floor has ever seen.
2: Steinger's company, Mutual Benefits, tells investors they can make a killing buying life insurance policies from dying
3: patients. They were telling investors, listen, you're helping sick people have money in their last days.
4: The $1.2 billion scheme even touches Olympic gold medalist Greg Luganus. HIV AIDS was still thought of as a death sentence. You know, I didn't know how long I had.
2: When Joel manipulates the odds, investors are put in a terrible spot.
5: No, I don't hope for her to die, but then when she does pass away, my nightmare will be over with.
2: Fort Lauderdale, Florida, home to 23 miles of pristine white sand beaches, bikinis, and boats. Known as the Venice of America, the city also boasts an alluring maze of canals that snakes through this coastal paradise. But venture down one particular waterway and you'll discover an overgrown Shangri-La decaying under the Florida sun. This $6.9 million mansion is the former residence of career con man Joel Steinger, founder of the investment firm Mutual Benefits, Much like this home, Mutual Benefits was once viewed as a jewel in the South Florida landscape, until Steinger's corruption and greed brought it crumbling down. He's a born criminal,
1: and there's very little that you can look at when you see Joel Steinger that brings any redemption.
2: Reporter Bob Norman says Mutual Benefits is the culmination of Joel Steinger's criminal career. Born in Brooklyn, Joel's life of crime blossoms when his family moves to South Florida in the early 1970s. While living in a condo in Hallandale, Joel's younger brother, Stephen strikes up a friendship that will change both of their lives. Stephen is an aspiring interior decorator. One of his clients is Teddy Lansky, wife of the notorious mob boss Meyer Lansky. In 1974, Joel weds the daughter of a banker who is connected to some of South Florida's Power brokers. He wound up marrying into what
1: is commonly known as the Jewish Mafia. He was, you know, uh, very
2: impressed with the whole thing. He, he was young. He was very young and impressionable. A woman who we'll call Vivian is a relative of the Steingers. She doesn't want the public to know of her connection to the family. Vivian remembers the wedding day well and how Meyer Lansky, an architect of the American Mafia, purposefully steered clear of the nuptials.
6: Meyer Lansky did not come to the wedding, but his wife came to the wedding, his attorney came to the wedding. The police were out in full force, watching,
2: filming. Once in the family, Joel's criminal career takes off. In 1976, his father-in-law provides him with an office, where Joel starts up a shady commodities trading firm. When the boiler room is busted, Joel nets his first felony conviction. In the 1980s, he sells shares in a bogus oil well and picks up a lifetime ban from the securities industry. In the 90s, he hits upon an idea that will revolutionize the food industry and peddles a delicious, low-calorie pizza. This too attracts a flurry of lawsuits.
1: Witnesses said he actually just got from Sparrow's, a a local restaurant, but claimed it was a diet pizza.
2: Despite being a serial offender, the punishment for Joel's crimes are merely speed bumps. That's one of the most amazing things when you look at the Joel Steinger
1: story, is how ineffective the regulators and law enforcement were in stopping him. It was uh, one slap on the wrist after
2: another. In 1991, Joel's newest venture is the Galaxy Wholesale Corporation, a business that buys groceries in Puerto Rico and resells them for a profit in the United States. Joel hits up his relative, Vivian, to invest. She's reluctant to participate, but her husband is enticed by the offer.
6: He thought Joel was the
2: greatest thing since seven up, and I warned him, I said, this person is bad news, and he said no. Against his wife's wishes, Vivian's husband invests $350,000 in the company. Surprisingly, the venture is initially successful, but things change in 1994. After Vivian and her husband return from a week-long vacation in California, they find that the business is gone.
7: Hold the office, and the phones were disconnected, and
1: went to the office, and everything was closed up. There, there was no
2: nothing there. He moved everything. More importantly, Joel takes their investment and money from other investors, a total of $1 million.
6: Embarrassed, upset, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars going to attorneys, trying to get back the money.
2: After countless court dates, the couple eventually give up the fight. Vivian says Joel's treachery ruins her husband. She says the humiliation and anger he experiences leads to his death. Destroyed him. Absolutely destroyed him. The man was never the same. As for Joel, he can't be bothered by family squabbles. He's already moved on to his next money-making venture, according to former SEC attorney Elise Johnson-Henry.
3: He was sleeping on a girlfriend's couch, and so he heard what she was doing, and, th- and then he decided to start his own company.
2: The woman is an employee at a firm that peddles an oddly named yet perfectly legal insurance product, Biaticals.
3: A viatical company is a company that buys insurance um, policies from ill people or seniors.
2: The company buys the policies from the insured, also known as viators, for just a portion of their face value. For example, a biatical firm could buy a million dollar policy for just $100,000.
3: They buy them at a discount and give that ill person a portion of the money, supposedly to help pay their bills or give them medicines that they need or to live their, the rest of their life out.
2: The biatical company profits by reselling the policy to investors at a steep markup, sometimes as much as six or $700,000. As for the investors, they get paid when the policies mature.
3: So when that person passes away, the investor gets the face value of the policy. You get the million dollars. In theory, it's you're making money off of people's death.
2: It's a somewhat morbid concept, especially because the investor is betting on when someone will die. But the Biotical companies say it's a service that provides real benefits to people in need.
3: That's how they took the taint off. They were telling investors, listen, you're helping sick people have money in their last days.
6: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done
2: In the early 1990s, buying life insurance policies from dying patients is a relatively new industry. By 1994, Joel Steinger is eager to get in on the action, but his criminal past is a problem according to former SEC attorney Ryan O'Quinn.
8: Joel Steinger was a convicted felon. Because of his criminal prosecution, Joel was not able to be an executive in the regulated industry of life settlement providers. To
2: avoid regulatory scrutiny, Joel's younger brother Leslie officially files the papers to incorporate the new business, the Mutual Benefits Corporation.
1: Joel isn't on the company documents, Joel is in the background, is a consultant,
2: simply a consultant. The very name of the business implies that everyone will benefit. Karen Rockland is assistant attorney for the Southern District of Florida.
7: Putting your money with NBC was supposed to be a win-win situation. By being responsible financially and making this investment, you were helping a sick person get needed cash.
2: To help get the company off the ground, Joel and Leslie bring in their other brother Steven Steiner, who has dropped the G from his last name. While the brothers play an active role in the business, it's clear that Joel is running the show.
7: It was fraudulent from the start, uh, certainly with respect to who was running the company and the efforts that went into concealing the fact that a convicted felon was in charge.
2: During the time of mutual benefits inception, the AIDS crisis is rampaging across South Florida and the rest of the country. The AIDS epidemic is spreading fast. But while most see the crisis as a tragedy, the Steingers see opportunity. Gay men with HIV are the ideal candidates for their business plan. You had uh,
1: single men who did not necessarily have a targeted beneficiary. So why not access
2: that income stream while you're still alive? 3,000 miles away in California, four-time Olympic gold medalist Greg Louganis is one of those He's men. Won
3: 24 national championships.
2: The former Olympic diver has been HIV-positive since 1988.
4: Well, realistically, when I was 28, I was 28 when I was diagnosed. I didn't think I'd see 30.
2: Despite his access to quality health care and a steady regimen of early age drugs, this world-class athlete can only watch as his health slowly deteriorates.
4: Right before my 33rd birthday, I allowed my friends to throw me this surprise party. I don't like surprises. I thought I was saying goodbye to everybody because we didn't. I was wasting away.
2: In the late 90s, after publicly coming out and revealing his HIV status, Lugana says he's approached by the Viatical Benefits Foundation, a subsidiary of Mutual
4: Benefits. This group said, "We want you to be, you know, a spokesperson for this. You know, to give, uh, you know, other people in your position, uh, you know, some hope." The group hires Luganus to appear in an ad campaign that
2: promotes its services. The ad is just part of Mutual Benefits' aggressive push into the gay community, according to Norm Kent, publisher of a gay newspaper in South Florida.
1: Mutual Benefits used to take out uh, full-page ads, uh, not only in my paper, but in the local regional bar guides and magazines, and all over the country.
2: Knowing firsthand the personal and financial hardships the disease brings, Luganus is eager to help.
4: I truly believed that I was doing a service. People were dying. People were having to make a decision. You know, am I going to buy my meds or am I going to buy groceries?
2: But the ad campaign is just half of the business arrangement. The viatical firm also wants to buy his $500,000 life insurance policy.
4: They gave me a great deal. I think they gave me maybe 50 or 60% of the policy. In my mind's eye, I didn't know how long I had, so it was buying me some time. Luganus's
2: policy is just one of the thousands that mutual benefits purchases and markets to investors. The company uses independent sales agents across the country to push the product. Lisa Porter is a former Chief Assistant
0: Prosecutor. Let's reach out, recruit financial advisors, insurance agents, people who already have a known book of business. And once they started doing that, mutual benefits exploded.
2: Just outside of Tampa, Doris Berrio is looking for a way to stretch her retirement income. A pioneer in women's athletics, Doris organized the first female bodybuilding competition in
9: 1979. I started at lifting weights in 1955 after I had my fourth child. And it ended up that I'm called the first lady of bodybuilding now. In
2: 1998, she is offered an unusual investment from her financial advisor.
9: i had only invested in CDs and I had purchased some from this broker and so did my neighbor. And then he introduces to viaticals.
2: Doris is intrigued by the concept as the AIDS epidemic hit close to home. Just seven years prior, her son Jerry, an imposing bar bouncer and auto mechanic, is diagnosed with the virus.
9: He was a strong young man, and every time he went to the doctor with any sort of a symptom, they'd say, you're too big and strong and healthy, there's no way you have AIDS.
2: But within months, the disease ravages the 35-year-old. His weight plummets, and he eventually contracts pneumonia.
9: And finally, when he got PCP pneumonia, it was too late. He was down to four T-cells, and there was no hope. He only lasted a year.
2: Remembering her own son's suffering and eager to boost her retirement portfolio, Doris invests $40,000. The agent tells her the return could be as much as 42%.
9: I hope it helped help somebody that was going to die, like my son would have been helped if he had had any policy like that.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.
2: In Fort Lauderdale, Joel Steinger's new business is a runaway success. In its first two years alone, the company sells an astounding $100 million in biatical settlements. But mutual benefits isn't just financially successful. The firm is seen as a corporation with a conscience. The company takes an active role in the fight against AIDS distancing itself from charges of cashing in on others'
7: misfortune. One of the things that Steinger did to establish the company's position in the community was it funded and it staffed uh, an AIDS treatment clinic.
2: The clinic, Community Healthcare of Broward, keeps offices down the street from mutual benefits. The Steingers also open a pharmacy that dispenses AIDS medications and eventually acquire another AIDS outreach agency called Center
3: One. Most of that was to help legitimize the company and take some of the taint off from being a company that profited off of people's death.
2: Joel's younger brother Stephen is crucial to the firm's success. An out and proud gay man, Stephen is vice president and chief spokesman of the company.
1: And if I could just take a few moments of your time, I'd like to tell a story, a story about a company that cares, that gives back, and that's compassionate.
2: While Joel pulls the strings behind the scenes, he uses his brother to promote the company's generosity.
0: Steven's job was basically to go out into the community and be the face of mutual benefits, uh, have charity events. They would have a lot of galas. You know, Liza Minnelli would come in and sing at
3: at, you know, for the AIDS Foundation, or he did stuff for cystic fibrosis.
2: At this banquet in 1997, Steven memorializes Ryan White, the Indiana teen who died after contracting the virus through a blood transfusion. As I look out
4: in this audience tonight, and I think about Ryan White. How many times a day do we all say that incredible name, Ryan
0: White? Uh, they would videotape these things and use them in promotional, Uh, videos for investors to show what a great company they were in.
2: Mutual Benefits contributes tens of millions of dollars to AIDS charities, as well as other causes like the Boys and Girls Club, the March of Dimes, and the Miami Project to cure paralysis. Mutual Benefits Corporation gives back, gives back an enormous amount. But while Mutual Benefits is publicly seen as a generous benefactor, Behind the scenes, Joel Steinger and his brothers live much different lives. According to the feds, the brothers each set up shell companies and divert investor money into their personal bank accounts.
3: The principals, Joel, Leslie, Stephen, all had side companies, consulting companies. The consulting companies were being paid millions for their consulting to the company. They were getting huge bonuses, multi-million dollar bonuses.
7: They had no other clients, they had no other employees, they produced nothing, they just received the checks from the funds that ultimately came from the people investing in the company.
2: Joel, along with his brother Leslie, owns a horse farm upstate in Ocala.
1: He spent a great deal of money on the, on the horse
7: farms, um, and that was his passion, he loved horse racing. Joel and his brother Leslie benefited from NBC funds to purchase horses, and thoroughbreds don't come cheap.
2: Joel also knows how to spend money closer to home in Fort Lauderdale. His cars include a Hummer and an Aston Martin, and his home is the envy of South Florida.
3: Joel's home was on the water, and you could take a boat tour to all the fancy homes in Fort Lauderdale, and his was part of the tour.
1: He lived the high life, but he was, a, he was a degenerate. He loved whiskey and hookers. Joel's alleged love of hookers goes way back. Yeah, his son described to me driving down the street and his father soliciting prostitutes for him when he was four to seven years old. his Bar Mitzvah. He uh, got him a prostitute. That's how he lost his virginity at the age of 13. He said he didn't want to do
2: it, but he felt like he had to, so he wouldn't let his father down. One former employee claims that Steinger often hires hookers for mutual benefits parties. Independent sales agents from across the country are regularly entertained at the company's Fort Lauderdale headquarters.
3: Mutual benefits would have big parties um, for their employees and for the sales agents. Very dressy, diamonds, ball
7: gowns. They get a bit of whining and dining about how great it would be if they, as third parties, would market the Mutual Benefits product.
2: But by 1996, the successful young business finds itself in the crosshairs of the SEC. Since its inception, Mutual Benefits says they're selling an insurance product. The feds aren't so sure. After two years of inquiry, the agency determines the company is selling
8: unregistered securities. The Securities and Exchange Commission filed a settled action against Joel Steinger and Leslie Steinger, alleging that aspects of their life settlement offering were fraudulent and improper.
2: The SEC's injunction says the company is misleading investors on how their money is being held. Instead of being put in reserve, the SEC says the money is essentially put into a mutual benefits checking account.
1: The SEC should have shut him down in 1998. They had him.
2: They had him right there. Fortunately for Joel Steinger, he has friends in high places. His attorney in the matter is Richard Benvenista, a Washington insider who once served as a Watergate prosecutor and as the Democrats' chief counsel during the Whitewater hearings. The
1: SEC, you know, gave him this, this little wrist slap. You know, Richard Benvenista was in the newspapers. It was a misunderstanding,
2: everything's fine. As part of the agreement, Leslie Steinger must step down as president of Mutual Benefits. Joel and Leslie Steinger must also pay $950,000 in fines, chump change for a company doing $100 million in sales. They slapped him on the wrist,
1: took their million dollars, and let him keep on going. That was, uh, that was a travesty.
2: In just five years of existence, Mutual Benefit is on its way to becoming the largest biatical firm in the country. Behind the scenes, Joel Steinger runs the company with an iron fist, says Norm Kent, who briefly serves as executive director of the company's AIDS clinic. Many people perceived him as uh,
1: tyrannical and despotic at times. He would be trading in one second hundreds of thousands of dollars of viatical policies, slam down the phone and buy a
0: horse in Ocala.
2: But by 1999, the state of Florida begins its own investigation into the company.
0: We had a a statewide grand jury that was looking into the viatical industry. It was a, a problem in the state of Florida.
2: Shortly after launching into the case, investigators learn that doctors at the firm's aid clinic are going above and beyond their medical duties.
0: We discovered that they were fixing the life expectancies in that the entire business model of mutual benefits was based upon fraud.
2: According to the firm's business model, investors could purchase life insurance policies with different maturity dates or life expectancies. Policies range from 12 to 72 months. The longer the policy, the bigger the payout. An independent medical review is supposed to take place to determine the life expectancies of the insured. But Joel Steinger often skips that step. Instead, investigators say Steinger plays God and determines maturity dates based on investor demand. Glenn Hughes worked for the law enforcement fraud operation in the Southern District of Florida.
1: They would evaluate the policies themselves, match it with investor money.
0: If they had a pile of investor money and they needed 36-month policies, that's the life expectancy that was going to be assigned to those policies that were coming in. If they needed 12-month policies, they were going to be 12-month policies.
2: Doctors on mutual benefits payroll then prepare a life expectancy letter for investors based on Steinger's picks.
0: The life expectancy letter uh, was basically go through the medical records, find everything that's wrong with this person, and then plug in the life expectancy that we told you to plug in.
2: One doctor, Clark Mitchell, generates thousands of letters for mutual benefits. Investigators say he has paid up to $200 per
0: letter. Clark Mitchell admitted to us that he didn't even have time to do this. He had his wife doing it for him.
2: The good doctor tells the missus which boxes to check to make it look like the patients are on death's door.
0: She'd see things like pneumonia, hypertension, high cholesterol, you know, whatever you could find, and just bullet point that.
9: This letter from Clark Mitchell says... Based on the above and the following factors, HIV positive with AIDS defining criteria, I estimate this patient has a life expectancy of 18 months.
2: Ultimately, Joel's life expectancy guessing game encounters a slight snag. At the height of the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s and early 90s, the disease is often considered a death sentence. More Americans dead from AIDS than died in combat in Vietnam. But as medical science progresses, so do the lives of its victims. Four-time Olympic gold medalist Greg Louganis is still alive, as are many others.
4: Things had evolved and developed in such a way. I mean, people were living and are living today. I mean, I, I know a person who was diagnosed 30 years ago, which is like, incredible.
2: Between 1995 and 1997, right as mutual benefits is ramping up operations, the death rate of HIV-positive men actually drops by two-thirds. Investor complaints skyrocket when the policyholders
7: outlive the maturity dates. Many of the insured don't die at all. Part of the NBC marketing pitch was 80% on time, meaning 80% of the insured would pass away, uh, either on time or ahead of time, when in fact, the exact opposite was true.
2: The increased lifespans put investors' money and morals at odds. They initially thought they were helping terminally ill patients in their final days. But now, the circumstances have changed.
7: As Investors weren't getting the payout on their policies as the years went by. The reaction they would encounter then would be, well, you know, what's wrong with you? You you want this person to die? That's wrong. That's evil.
2: Outside of Tampa, Doris Berrio finds herself in a tough spot. She doesn't want to root for the Grim Reaper, but as an investor, she still wants to get paid. She visits the Mutual Benefits office several times, looking for answers.
9: And I would make arrangements to go meet with the president. I asked to see the president. And every time I arrived, he was not available.
2: Instead, Doris must deal with a salesman named Rocky.
9: I would get the same salesman every time. And he was so convincing. Oh, no, if everything's all right. It's just some, some don't mature that early.
2: During one visit, Doris says Rocky pulls out a stack of checks that he claims is being mailed out to investors. He even lets her in on a secret about one of her policies.
9: They told me they weren't supposed to let me know the name of the person, but to quell my fears about it, uh, it was Greg Lupinis.
2: Doris isn't quite sure what to think of the revelation.
9: He was confined. Confiding in me so that I would be sure that there was some, a real person. Trying to convince me that this, this is all legitimate so I'd have somebody to watch. But
2: remarkably, the salesman may have been telling the truth. American Greed brought the paperwork to Greg Luganis, who believes really that Doris crazy. really did invest
4: in his life insurance policy. I would bet you it is. It was for $500,000. I'm almost positive it was New York life.
2: The former Olympian says the information on the medical review is consistent to when he cashed out his policy. You
4: know, it really is interesting to see, you know, my doctor's name on on here about reviewing my records in uh, October second, nineteen ninety eight. This is probably during the time that I had eleven T cells and my viral load was over a million.
2: He says he's disturbed that mutual benefits would violate his privacy in such a manner and use his name to further their crimes.
4: I mean, it, it breaks my heart. It's very disappointing for me because then I, you know, I feel a responsibility to, you know, this person.
2: No idea. I'm not. Greg's improved health and the promising outlook for other AIDS patients creates an unexpected complication to the mutual benefits business model. According to company documents, investor money is placed in escrow and used to pay insurance premiums until the sick person dies. But as patients' lifespans increase, the escrow fund gets woefully thin.
7: So what happens is that they start using escrow funds from newer incoming investors to pay premiums on older policies that have run out of escrowed funds. And so that starts to look like the operation of a Ponzi scheme. In
2: 2001, in the midst of the state's investigation, Joel Steinger and Mutual Benefits make an adjustment to their business model. The company ditches policies on terminally ill patients and begins selling a different, more lucrative product.
1: And as, um, as the heat was turned up, mutual benefits um, turned their focus on what we came to know as life settlements.
8: These are life insurance policies ensuring elderly individuals Whose policies tend to be larger, allowing mutual benefits to place more investors and more investor dollars on an individual policy.
2: Over 1,000 miles away in Palmyra, New York, Carol Tonzi makes an investment without even knowing it.
5: I had a 401k. I talked to my accountant, and he said that he would put it in an IRA for me that would be safe and secure.
2: Carol's accountant is one of the sales agents enlisted to push Mutual Benefits product. Instead of rolling her money into an IRA, she says he puts the $52,000 into mutual benefits without her knowledge.
5: He said, you just need to initial here, you need to initial there. There was no discussion about that contract.
2: Carol doesn't learn about the switch until nearly three months later.
5: I had no idea that it was a viatico. I knew nothing about it until I received a packet in the mail from the company in Florida.
2: Carol calls her advisor to complain, but he assures her the investment will make a 60% return. Carol has trusted this accountant for nearly 20 years, but she is uneasy about the transaction.
5: I would never have invested in somebody's life. Had he told me that's what it was all about, I would have thought it was too strange, and I would never have done it.
2: By 2004, Mutual Benefits celebrates its 10th year in business. To mark the anniversary, the federal government has a surprise for the firm. On May 5th, the SEC shuts down Mutual Benefits for fraud, and the company is placed into receivership.
3: They were very surprised. They had no idea that the SEC was even looking at them.
2: Investigators say Mutual Benefits has fraudulently raised more than $1.2 billion through its network of
8: salesmen. And near the end of the operation of the fraud, they were literally collecting uh, tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars per month. At least
2: $60 million finds its way into the pockets of Joel Steinger and his associates. The scam involved some 30,000 investors in nearly every state.
0: At the time we shut down Mutual Benefits, Mutual Benefits was expanding into international offices. So they were moving this product all around the world.
2: Over the next two years, the SEC reaches a settlement with the brothers to recover $29 million. The receiver works to recover additional funds. But most claimants only get about 20% of their money back, far less than the unrealistic returns they were promised. Total investor losses are officially around $800 million, but that number is decreasing as policies mature.
7: Some of the people on the policies, in fact, have passed away. Our best estimate of the current loss amount is still in excess of six. Hundred million dollars
2: Doris Berrio eventually gets back 10000 of her $40,000 investment
9: Well I thought I was smart enough that I would never get caught on something like that well, you see old people get duped like this all the time and I, I couldn't believe I did but I did
2: Carol Tonzi finds herself in a different situation she's in too deep and can't get out Since Mutual Benefits implosion, she's chosen to continue making premium payments on her policy, hoping that one day it will eventually pay out.
5: You know, do we walk away from the $52,000, or do we try to salvage this? I can't walk away. If I walk away, I lose everything.
2: Carol's policy is for a 95-year-old woman. Each year, she makes premium payments out of her own pocket now reaching almost $10,000 annually. Counting premiums, Carol says her total investment is nearly $100,000. When the woman dies, Carol is told she'll be paid $102,000 on the policy she never asked for in the first place.
5: No, I don't hope for her to die, but then when she does pass away, my nightmare will be over with. I will get my $102,000 and then hopefully retire.
2: In 2006, the U.S. attorney begins criminal proceedings against the mutual benefits crew.
7: A lot of people from the upper reaches of mutual benefit, in addition to Steinger, were also charged either of conspiracy to commit mail-and-wire fraud or conspiracy to commit securities fraud.
2: Leslie Steinger officially faces no charges as he dies from cancer in 2008. But the feds ultimately get convictions on 13 individuals, 12 of them taking plea deals. The diagnosis for Steinger's crooked Dr. Clark Mitchell, 10 years in prison. The face of the company, Steven Steiner, gets 15 years. American Greed contacts Steiner in prison. The former vice president disputes that the company's actions were criminal and says that their downfall was politically motivated.
9: If you examine
2: the lobbyists involved in this, the attorneys involved in this, they wanted us out of business. We were developing momentum and garnering an enormous market share, all right? And there's some very powerful people involved in this, powerful people that are still operating and still in business. Steiner insists mutual benefits wasn't a Ponzi scheme and claims the company never used new investor funds to pay premiums on older policies. There was a quarter of a billion dollars in accounts, more than enough to cover. Mutual paid the premiums on these policies that went over from profits the company made, not from investors' new money. Steiner insists that he is innocent of all charges and only pled guilty after his attorney was dismissed from the case. I had a lawyer that was charged with contempt that I gave $2 million to. I had no attorney. Five years i prepared for this, and to start, this is a huge case with millions of documents of discovery. The United States provides generously for an appointed counsel, but to be very honest with you, there was not time to prepare properly. As for the mastermind, Joel Steinger successfully delays his prosecution by claiming heart and spinal ailments.
7: Steinger has a condition known as spinal stenosis, and for about as long as the case has been pending, He has been referring to that situation as a reason why he cannot go to trial.
2: Steinger does a two-year stint in a hospital. He attends court dates in a wheelchair and tells the judge he can't control his bowels or bladder. He spends a number of years in his mansion under house arrest.
1: I can tell you that that was a source of constant aggravation and frustration for the victims that he was allowed to live in this
2: beautiful home after he had ripped them off for so long. In March, 2014, 10 years after the shuttering of mutual benefits, Joel finally pleads guilty to fraud conspiracy. The 64-year-old Swindler is sentenced to 20 years in prison. And now, in a remarkable turn of events, the length of his life is the subject of speculation. Where I would be surprised
1: if he lasted 20 years. But, uh, you know, I think most of his victims would say that's the appropriate place for him to uh, meet his end. Anybody that's been following the story wonders if he has any hint of, uh, of regret. I don't think so. The only regret he has is that he got
2: caught. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.